0: Hello, fellow sportsmen, and welcome to the Sports Online podcast, where we talk about football to fishing and everything in between. We talked about football yesterday, but today marks the first ever fishing episode. Our goal is to guide the rookies in the fishing industry to better equip themselves for future
1: fishing adventures. How are y'all doing this evening?
2: I'm doing pretty well. That was a very good intro, Porter. Thank you.
1: Yeah, uh, unbeknownst to most of y'all, that took a lot longer (laughs) than you might think. (laughs)
0: Yeah, we had a lot of uh, some oopsies
1: along the way. It was good. Yeah, that's the the joy of having a new podcast.
0: I
2: agree. All right, well, how's the weather looking? So I would say for this week, um, temperature-wise, it is going to be gorgeous and barely any rain. So we're going to start off with Monday, high of 68 degrees, low of 58 degrees. Tuesday, high of 67 degrees, low of 54 degrees. Wednesday, we got a high of 68, low of 60. Thursday, high of 71, low of 62. Friday, high of 71, low of 49. Saturday, high of 65, low of 57. And then Sunday, high of 71, low of 54. Isn't that crazy in a a week of February that it gets that hot?
1: Welcome to North Carolina weather.
2: Honestly. Uh, What's the wind looking like? So... On Monday, we're going to have uh, southwest winds 15 to, 28 mi- 15 to 28 miles an hour with the gusts at 28. So that, that's that's going to be a bit, a bit yeah. rocky.
1: Huh? Tuesday
2: is going to be southwest winds 9 to 15. Wednesday is south-southeast 16 to 28. Thursday is southwest 21 to 37. Oof, that's that's going to be a windy, Gale. windy day. Yeah, not kidding. Um, and then it... it Excuse me. Kind of dies down where we have north northwest, um, seven mile an hour to seventeen miles an hour. Uh, so that's not too shabby. Not at all. Um, Saturday we've got south southeast. It picks back up again, sixteen to twenty nine mile an, miles an hour, and then Sunday ends off the week with southwest winds, twenty to thirty five mile an hour wind gusts. Lovely. It's on the warm day too?
1: Yeah. Well, it won't be very warm with that wind chill.
2: Sure. Well, as the famous saying goes uh for fishing well wind wind directions for fishing, um if it's blowing out of the west you'll catch fish the best. If it blows out of the east, you'll catch the least. And then for the north, if the wind's out of the north, it is so wind from the north do not go forth. That is the saying. That's
1: that the sounds, south. Yeah, what about the south? Uh, honestly, I don't yeah, see. I don't, I, I see don't know about y'all, south. but I think the South is the best.
2: Uh, can you think of a word that rhymes with South? Uh, mouth.
1: Um, yeah, <laughs> I was gonna say. <laughs> yeah, well, <laughs> if, if it comes south, from the th-
0: go south, get food in your mouth.
2: Wind, no wind, no. wind out of the wind out of the South. You can put fish in your mouth. I <laughs> uh, uh, no, I'll take it. Sure, yeah. why
1: not? It's, it's not terrible. Yeah.
2: Well, whatever. Anyway, yeah. So I'd say that if if it was me, um. And low, not high rate of precipitation at all for this week. Um, I think decently, I well, I think every day is decent. Even the days, I mean, every day is gorgeous, but that 21 to 37 on Thursday is pretty, pretty gnarly. And then Sunday, uh, with it being 20 to 35, that's, that's pretty powerful wind, winds, uh, wind gusts there. So
1: definitely a bit gustier than usual. Yes. You're clear of that.
0: Yeah. I'm wondering, um, of that i wonder how the water temperature is going to be because i don't know if the wind is going to affect it that much well
1: since the the way water works right is it has a a high carrying capacity when it comes to heat Mm -hmm. yeah so it'll absorb heat very slowly but it'll also retain it longer so unless the climate the climate is normally what dictates water temperature Mm -hmm. usually when you have Wind coming and blowing through it may impact the surface level very minimally the normally the height of the water column will reach anywhere from the you know the surface of the water to very very deep the The top maybe maybe two feet of the water column will be influenced by wind and affecting of temperature but normally when water is being stirred up and diffusing it's not diffusing heat, it's diffusing oxygen.
2: So I, I think you're correct in that and also depending on how um how strong the current is when you have your incoming and outgoing tides uh, especially if it rains all that sediment gets kicked up and that the in the outgoing tide um will li- will end the incoming both ways when the tide cycles happen that muddy water that comes from the creeks um so if, if I think the best way to put it is when it's when it rains and the tides high that water is going that that water that comes in when it when it goes and switches so incoming is high and outgoing is low right so when you see an outgoing tide that water is going to go in and then it's going to push all that muddy water i think that's how i I have to look into that but when that rain happens in a strong current and it brings all that muddy water in um i think that kind of i definitely think that dictates the temperature um to a certain extent.
1: So I can understand maybe because sediment would build up and prevent sunlight um, normally from penetrating the surface and maybe warming, but that that wouldn't have a whole lot to do with it. But I do think you're correct in the tides in that if you have a, uh, maybe a king tide or just something that pulls or pushes a whole lot of water that pulls from one of the much larger currents, you know, we have one running right down the side of the eastern seaboard, uh, when that pulls in that water, it's being circulated from a warmer place because it goes south to north. Then it cools off once it hits near the Arctic Circle and runs back down through England. Mm -hmm. No, south to north. So it's like a Mm
0: -hmm. convection current?
1: Uh, Not quite. So convection current uh, basically is just the recirculating of heat, right? Mm -hmm. So when a convection current is being conducted, I guess. It is circulating the heat, usually vertically versus horizontally. It'll pull up the hot and then let the cold sink, because heat rises cold, sinks. But, so we have, I cannot remember the name of that current that runs... Gulf Stream? Yeah, thank you. The Gulf Stream runs from south to north. It normally runs next to Mexico in in that bay. It'll come up right pulling warm water then it'll go around in the arctic circle right it'll cool down and that's people don't realize that water is a huge dictator of climate so you'll see a lot of fish migrating from certain places due to the climate being you know the the they like to live in that climate because the climate dictates water temperature simply due to how water circulates Yet the water column has specific properties that they really enjoy living in, and the Gulf Stream is a good example of that. I believe it will, it goes up, once it hits the Arctic Circle, it turns into the Retriever Stream. I'm not 100% certain on the name, but I believe it has something to do with the dog, and I just love golden Retrievers. That's where my mind goes. That's why England is so rainy, because the Gulf Stream pulls, or whatever stream pulls that, it pulls it down, and it's cold water, and because of how weather works, I'm not 100% certain on the science. But how I understand it is you're pulling that cold water down, almost similar to our cold front, will bring rain, right? So that's why England's so rainy. It's why Seattle is so rainy, due to the fact that the way water moves, and it also dictates uh, fish species. So uh, on the topic of fish species, I am effectively a Joe Schmo when it comes to fishing. I am very average in understanding and I'm not 100% confident in any uh, language that I use in (laughs) regards to fishing. So the way that uh, I want to approach this episode is have y'all teach me. Potentially have this be the same format moving forward. So on the topic of climate affecting fish species, our climate has winter species. What Winter species can we expect to see in the coming months and previous months?
2: Well, great question, student Isaac. Um, I'm just kidding. Uh, so, primarily right now we have, and Porter, please feel free to interject if I miss one. Uh, Your I would say the big the big ones that are really sought after are, uh, well, it depends. You want to inshore or, o- uh, or in the ocean? You want to know both?
1: Uh, Honestly, let's let's start with the inshore because okay. I feel like most people would encounter that when they're sitting on right. the dock fishing. Versus, you know, offshore, you have to get a boat. It's a right. little more strenuous. Well, at
2: this time of the year, it's there. Are usually, not going to be a lot of fish in open water because it's going to be a whole lot. Uh, I, I I'm pretty sure that it's going to be a whole lot cooler.
0: Yeah, um, that's where like the fish, like the black sea bass and like totog which are the ones that um are primarily dominant in the wintertime that's you know they're actually they're more closer in i've seen people catch things like the black sea bass in the port but they usually catch them in shallower water um and not just um in just shallow water they also catch them in deep water they're that's why offshore in the winter they're so sought after, because they're pretty much the only things you can yeah. catch out there.
2: and that's the same with inshore, and the reason why you can't really catch that many fish in, uh, in the more open water, why you find them more in creeks uh, creeks is because all the the food that they find, if they don't migrate out into the ocean, or to go to warmer water, like you know why the mullet run? They're coming from North Carolina and they're going down to Florida. They're going down to the Gulf Stream. Cause it's a lot warmer there than it is here. Um, and all the, the mullet, whatever bait you want to name that those fish are going to eat, are most likely the ones that don't leave. They will get trapped in those creeks and they won't get out. So the speckled trout and the redfish, um, and your occasional black drum with any shrimp, because there are also shrimp in creeks right now. Um, not many, though. Not, they're, oh, very, they're, they're, very, they're very scarce. There were them. We, I'd be getting them right now, but they are all in those creeks because, um, they're just—they're leaving that—that that like the the bay, the sound, if you will. They're they're in creeks now.
1: So does that have anything to do with tidal currents? Because I so to give background for all three of us on our understanding of fishing and whatnot. Currently, Samuel and myself are certified in aquaculture, and we worked at a fish market for three-ish years, three plus. And then Porter has just been fishing since apparently he was three, which is actually really cool, and I'm honestly impressed with how well he's done. Especially considering he doesn't have any, he doesn't have too substantial outside information. Uh, He just self-taught himself pretty much. But yeah, uh, so what do tidal pools, because I understand that shrimp will leave more inshore areas, go out, mate, spawn, and then come back as, uh, not necessarily adults, but the stage before that, you know, adolescence. Does the tidal pool, that rotation, does that have anything to do with their populations in February? Is it because they left and then they come back?
2: Uh, so I'm going to make a quick disclaimer here because I love the fishing aspect, but the science, I'm not... I'm still learning that. I still have a lot to learn. So I don't yeah. know exact. My guess would be the same as mullet. They want that warmer... They want that that more... I, I think it'd be the warmer water. So they're going where... um. Those mullet are going, to, um, And I also think um, that, I mean, and you can tell. So when you look out of the dock, mm. when you're anywhere, at least in the sound, in the wintertime, it is usually crystal clear. Yeah. And there's not that much life. So what would shrimp be wanting to feed on that's out in the sound? I mean, because, you know, when the water is dirty, it's because sediment... And other microorganisms are inhabiting that mm. that area. But in this area, I'm gonna just use the bogue sound for example. Um, and it's crystal clear everywhere you go, unless where it drops off and it gets, you know, in the channel and it's like fifteen plus feet. Right. You can't you're usually not gonna be able to see that far down. So I'm thinking just when everything I don't know if it passes away, but when all that micro all those microorganisms are gone, which, you know, when the turbidity of the water, when it becomes really, really clear, the shrimp probably don't have anything to eat. So they're wanting to go to a place where they can find more food.
1: Well, so microorganisms are, especially for shrimp to feed on, are probably going to be photosynthetic mm-hmm. because uh, especially babies will feed on the uh, zooplankton or zooplankton if you want to be super picky. But, yeah, and then you have phytoplankton as well. Both typically photosynthetic, but there are carnivorous zooplankton. So I believe that the turbidity and, you know, depending on the rain and the tumultuation of the sediment that causes it to be, you know, more and more, there's more particles in the water column. uh, I believe that that would cause microorganisms that are photosynthetic to either die or maybe the tide pulls them away. But yeah, no, I'm, I'm with you on, I think that the shrimp would definitely because you know you follow your food right yep we live in an era where you don't have to really follow your food because it's at a store yeah but yeah i'm also very curious on so you mentioned speckled trout black sea bass red drum black drum sheep said sheep said as well do they follow their prey at all or is there enough in a consistent basis that they don't have to move so In a way, does that impact your ability to catch them during certain parts of the year? I mean, the
0: thing is some, because the great thing about redfish and just the drum species in general is that they can inhabit these waters even as they drop in temperature to like the low 60s to even maybe the upper 50s. They're just good at, they just can do that. I don't know the science behind how their body can keep their temperature like that. Just have a
2: high temperature tolerance. Right. Um,
0: yeah, but they're just a really hearty fish, they're yeah, very yeah. delicious too. Same with sheep's head too. They, I mean they can they can hang out in pretty cold water. Um, but um, the redfish sometimes they'll stay. sometimes they will follow the mullet. Um, it just all depends on what the the school wants to do because <laughs> up in like Virginia uh, during like you know beginning of fall, they get in these huge schools and they just go together and they just move down south because they want to follow the bait um
2: Chesapeake Bay, something right yeah
0: hmm. but sometimes they just they stay there um for breeding just because there aren't too many predators around because of the colder water now here they still have to worry about porpoises but there's not as many porpoises or sharks there's not there's not many sharks here when the water temperature is so cold
1: and so as with everything we are their largest predator but is there any substantial competition in that regard is there any any predator trying to be more predator like than us do they have anything like a a, con- a consistent threat
0: the only threat i can really think of that's there uh you know year round is a porpoise which if for y'all that don't know is pretty much just a dolphin but more n- f- but more north i yeah.
1: actually learned that we don't have porpoises we don't we do not we have uh bottlenose and spinners we don't have porpoises they inhabit more warm water so they we might get them during the summer but yeah like right now you will never see a porpoise so
0: so the so now that we know that it's the dolphins the dolphins and, and in the summertime if we get porpoises then the porpoises come along but that's pretty much their only their only um competition in terms of where you know what's trying to eat them or anything
2: yeah and i also want to say like for sheephead, i think it's a very good example when we're going to talk about food wise sheep their primary diet primary diet is shellfish and a big thing like if you were to look at a sheephead stomach um it's most of the time going to be filled with barnacles they sheephead love to eat barnacles and well what do you find on every dock in saltwater most likely, you're gonna find barnacles. Yeah. So I don't think they need to leave. I mean, they have food at every dock that they could find, and uh, redfish. Well, black drum are kind of the same. They're also primarily they primarily eat shellfish, and shrimp, crustaceans. and crustaceans. Oh, I didn't. Oh, well, sheep said crustaceans too. Um, but I do have to say the best bait a sheep's head or a black drum in my opinion is a live shrimp so you know
0: or, or like cut like if you firstly catch a crab and you cut it up and right. chuck it out yep. that's what we did Um, that one time when the mirror office came over we cast it out yep. uh, just a freshly cut crab and we caught a sheep's head
1: mm-hmm. so uh, speaking of bait I'm not very knowledgeable in anything in that regard I understand that fiddler crabs and shrimp and um, blue crabs yeah and sand fleas I understand that they're just universally amazing but like how are you were saying shrimp is your go to in most cases, mm. is there any substantial evidence that you've experienced that suggests that there is one bait better maybe just in this time of year or is there bait that shows better results? Obviously fishing <coughs> is not, it's it's called fishing not catching for a reason. But when you have bait, is there any sort of like when you're moving on through the seasons, is there any one bait that you tend to? Uh, gravitate towards
2: so and i just want to say that we continuing on through the episodes we do i think we will get more because actually and i don't know i'm not too i'm not too knowledgeable with winter fishing because with and when it comes to winter time when all that bait leaves um you don't have many options with live bait i mean you have to really go and find them so it's art it's time to use artificials and i'm still learning with them and um i think the primary if so if we want to go live bait I think when you go up in the creeks, you're going to find finger mullet, and that's usually what's going to be primarily there, or you can find your bull minnows and mud minnows with minnow traps, Um, but fiddler crabs are down. They've buried themselves deep in the mud. You're not going to find fiddler crabs until it starts to get warmer, but the primary bait, if I were to say that usually you're going to use in the wintertime, is artificials, and I'm actually, don't you think, Porter, would be artificial?
0: I mean, they're the best, and you can get them anytime you want to. And like he was saying, with um, live bait being so scarce during this time of the year, really the only thing you can really do if you want to have the most luck is using artificial baits. And this the great thing about artificial baits is they, they can be whatever you want it to be. I mean, they're artificial. They're fake shrimps, like voodoo shrimps. It's pretty much just a shrimp. Gold shrimp. Gulp shrimp. It's just a shrimp but made out of plastic. And, I mean, it's pretty convenient. With um, And also a great thing about it is that if it gets eaten by a fish, it doesn't, you know, after that fish eats it, it's not going to be gone. It's still going to be on the hook, which makes it really convenient having um,
2: an artificial bait. Right. And uh, not only that, but in, in my opinion, when you look at artificial, you can get artificial baits that could last you, like just one singular bait could last you like, f- like a week, where when you use live bait, it's usually one cast and then you gotta re—you have to get another live bait out. And that's one of the pros about uh, artificial baits because when you find a specific color of a specific type of artificial bait and you know that's what the fish like, you only need one of them. And you can catch as many fish whereas in live bait you might have to have a couple dozen shrimp or a dozen mullet in order to catch the amount you want to get. So there's pros and cons with both.
1: Are they safe to consume? Because I'd imagine that the reason they run out is they either lose their effectiveness or they get just shredded.
2: You know, um, I don't know. I don't know if they're safe to consume. Usually, when you put them on a jig head, what's really nice about jig heads is they have almost like they're not spikes, but basically, what it does is they hold the artificial in place to where it can't slide off
1: the jig head. Are you referring to barbs?
2: Uh, I would It's like a hook. It's
0: like you know, like a clothes hook. It's kind of like that, where you like you just clip it on and it stays on. And
2: they they are referred to as barbs, but they're not sharp. But um, I would definitely say that um, I I would not guess. I don't think anything should be absorbing or eating plastic. Um,
1: so would they spit it out? Maybe.
2: Usually, yes, you could catch it. They won't swallow it. You would be able to get it in time. Okay. And
0: another thing with it is that it's tough enough to where if they were to bite on it, it won't break apart from mm-hmm. the bait, so it won't they won't be able to consume it accidentally. So
1: even like a sheep's head with its beak it's not strong enough?
2: Well, actually, um it's funny so you bring it up because if you're gonna catch anything where their primary diet so like with redfish, it's they're pretty much eat they'll eat almost every type of live bait, but sheep's head and black drum are extremely, extremely picky. They only like crustaceans and shellfish it is like once in a blue moon that you will catch a black drum or a sheep's head on artificial bait so um usually i mean i honestly don't know what artificial you would use i would think just a voodoo shrimp because the profile of a shrimp would work for that but mm-hmm. it's super rare um but yes even with a sheep a beak um i actually you know that's a good question isaac i i bet a sheep's head could bite through it but um, it would probably be pretty tough depending on what profile you use.
1: And then I'm also thinking maybe a parrotfish or something like just anything beaked. I feel like yep. would be because obviously you're not catching a shark or anything with what? some really crazy teeth. But I mean, redfish and blackfish or er, blackfish. Well, that's what's redfish what's what and black drum. Is. Yeah, they have strong bite force. I mean, you've got to be able to if you're eating crustaceans, I right?
0: I thought I, th- I don't think they have teeth. Mm-mm. I think they suck it in and they crush it. But there's like a thing in their throat that crushes yep, it. they it's literally not, have
2: jaws yeah. in the back of their throat that and same with black drum. Black drum have like a sucker that literally it's like a sucker fish, a freshwater sucker fish, but they have like these crunchers that are in the back of their throat. Those things are cr- they're wicked.
1: Oh, so it's it's almost like uh is it sea sponge where they've got the things where they shred when you pull it through, but instead of that it's like a mallet crushing it as it goes down.
2: I don't know. I, w- I would assume it'd be like that. It's just like crushing it. Yeah. It's, it's like imagine if you grabbed a hammer
0: and a piece of glass and just smashed it really hard. It just crushes but it. But I'm assuming it's
1: coming in from all sides.
2: I guess. Mm-hmm. But yeah. Um,
0: it's like a little compression thing. It like, just closes in around it. Oh, but, okay.
2: But sheep's head are different, and I'm sure you know because we've seen them. Sheep's head have like molars.
1: Human teeth.
0: Like yeah.
2: molars. It's insane. They're
0: pretty much just like humans, but if they were in the water. It's they're really like, creepy. <laughs> like they're, they're, their dental oh, yeah. profile,
1: is 100% their dental profile is straight up molars. It
2: is crazy. They're, they're like if a horse was in the. Let's see. We'll say they're like a horse. And so you. And with sheep's head in the Pacific Ocean. So you see sea urchins, right? You see all their spikes. Um, and I know because when we would dive, Isaac, you know, people would pull up and they would be writhing in pain when you're covered in sea urchins. They're not pretty.
1: Or they'd just be straight up attached to you.
2: Yeah, and they'd be attached to you. So, Cal- so sheep's head in California, they literally will pluck the sheep's head off the coral and just bite it. And
1: you mean the crab it. or another? Sheep no, a sea urchin. Egg? They will eat oh, sea urchins. Oh, okay. I thought you were saying the sea urchin ate the mm-hmm. sheep's. Oh, egg.
2: sorry if that's what I said. But they will literally just crush it, just one bite, and bam, this is done. It's crazy.
1: How about trigger? Because we don't get queen trigger here, which is the larger species, but they're also beaked as well, right?
2: Yeah, you can get. We can get queen triggerfish. Um, we can get them sometimes here.
0: Another thing that I thought was kind of crazy. I thought triggerfish were kind of docile at first when you look at them like you think through, you know they're like pretty chill They look pretty goofy for sure. <laughs> but I mean, they are some of the most aggressive fish I yeah. have ever seen. Like when we went offshore fishing and they brought up the sheep's head, I mean, it was you going to be the triggerfish or yeah, the shit <laughs> Yeah. The triggerfish. I mean, it was g- it went berserk. It tried like hitting us. It was just flopping all over the place.
1: You want to hear a fun fact about triggerfish? What's that? Okay, so triggerfish have a well-known defense mechanism. You notice how whenever we would uh, take process or like filet, trigger fish, right? Yeah. Uh, at the fish market, how it looks like they were covered in their own feces.
2: It was slime is what it looked like.
1: Yeah, but no, like you'd lift them up and they they would be uh, covered in feces in some uh, semblance. Yes. Sheep said whenever they're pulled up on a hook, their defense mechanism is to prolapse. Sheep's head? "No trigger." You Excuse said sheep's said. Excuse me, <laughs> <laughs> trigger. Sorry, we're on the sheep head, I Bob. Know, I know, right? Uh, trigger's defense mechanism is to literally prolapse.
2: I don't know what that means.
1: You take your insides, your uh, I- in intestines, right? Mm-hmm. And they become oh. out Oh yeah, oh, you yeah. You
2: see, it, like the little
0: little like pink dot. That yes. Comes out? Yep. That's Their insides. Yeah. So
1: they're li- they literally prolapse as a way to defend themselves, or they'll just straight up vomit. Their their defense mechanism. Is. I would
2: think their trigger would be their defense mechanism. Fun fact, you know that you could take the, one of the strongest men in the world and you could not break that trigger off of a triggerfish. And all they have so it's the, What what's the trigger? So the trigger basically is that spine that is on the, the the front part of the triggerfish and what you'll see is you have the point and then to the right behind the point there's a little latch that you press down and that lowers the trigger. But if you try to push it the opposite way, it's not moving. Uh
1: what's is it the toadfish where its spine is poisonous? Well, I could have sworn I you stone said fish. stonefish. Okay. I could have sworn you said at one point the spine on the triggerfish is deadly.
2: That's a cat Well there's catfish uh and please let me know Port, if I'm missing one. Catfish, uh the pufferfish. Mm-hmm. There's some toadfish that are venomous. Uh stonefish uh actually stonefish i think is the most venomous fish in the world we don't we don't really get stonefish here that they're more in the Australia. southern hemisphere yep and uh i'm pretty sure that i'm not missing any venomous spine fish besides lionfish i mean not, not that i can really remember
0: uh, off the top of my head but that seems pretty much it and a thing that um the the trigger or the the fin of the triggerfish i think it's made of a cartilage that's why it's you can't break it it's it's a cartilage so you can't just snap it cuz if it was like a bone or like a bone bone kind of thing like a spine mm-hmm. on like a sheep's head for say you could it'd be easy to break but since it's the cartilage
1: i mean it's pretty much
2: impossible to break those things hurt
1: so to end off this uh wonderful episode that's been really enlightening for me as much as i'm sure it's been enlightening for you guys i want to hear what are your top 3 favorite eating fish you can factor in filleting methods of cooking What what are your three favorite fish uh, to between
2: offshore and inshore doesn't matter
1: it is not any any okay. fish species
2: and filleting counts or no
1: i mean it, it could be extinct and you could just for some reason know what it tastes like There's no criteria just so your top three
2: my three favorite i'm gonna start at the bottom number three i'm gonna put uh mahi number two Oh man, this is hard. I'm going to say number two is probably redfish. Number one is monkfish.
1: All right. Porter, what are your top three?
2: Okay, so my my top three,
0: it's kind of like – it's it's hard to think about because, I mean, there's so many great-tasting fish in the sea. I'd say number three would be uh, fried flounder. Like, just put it in a sandwich and just – I mean, that is that is awesome. The second one. I'd probably say yellowfin. Yellowfin's really good. And my favorite fish, it's hard. I mean, it's really hard. I'd say probably a redfish or a a mahi. But anyway, guys, that will wrap up this episode. God bless y'all, and we'll see you on the other side.